Globally, one in every eight people suffer from a mental disorder. Anxiety and depression affect people from all walks of life, all ages, all ethnicities, and we're here to talk about it. This is the the Quiet Quiet Chaos Podcast. From anxiety to depression, from disorders to marriage, and everything in between, we're talking about it. We're talking about it. Bold, Bold, real, real, raw, and we'll have some fun. Let's do it. This is the Quiet Chaos Podcast. And now your host, author, therapist, international speaker, Jason R. Sullivan. Welcome to the Quiet Chaos Podcast. This is your host, Jason Sullivan. And this week I am coming to you from Abu Dhabi. I have uh, had a wonderful uh, opportunity to come and give a couple of lectures at the Ishkarat Conference. This is a, a conference that is hosted by the Ministry of Tolerance and Coexistence, and it has been a wonderful conference. I have really, really enjoyed it. Um, even though I did lecture, I felt like I learned more than I taught. Uh, there are a lot of people here who are just brilliant in their fields. And so poets, authors, artists, I mean, it has been phenomenal. And so just to sit around people who are so much better at what they do, uh, of course, I'm going to be a bit selfish in that. And I'm going to, I'm going to take uh, full advantage of, of learning and uh, just, just hearing, I mean, hearing how they became really great in, in their fields. And uh, like I said, it has been a wonderful, wonderful experience. So with that being said, This week's question, it comes from Michael G. in Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, this is going to be a tricky one. And Michael, I will do my best uh, to explain it and also uh, not rock the boat too much on it because uh, this is a hot topic. So Michael's question is this. I have heard people talk about uh, toxic masculinity. Can you explain it? And how do I know if I have it? Uh, And that's a great question. So let's let's dive into this. Uh, I think that the idea of toxic masculinity uh, it, it's a bit of a, a misnomer, and I'm not saying that there aren't traits of masculinity that can be toxic, but I think that it it, it polarizes the idea of toxicity to a set of traits or um, a set of traits uh, attributed to a man uh, or if we talk about toxic femininity, those would be traits that would be toxic attributed to women. And I think it's a misnomer in that sense, because what we have to really do is not look at the masculinity or femininity, but rather the toxicity. And in doing that, what I want to do is I want to dive back a little bit. And so what we need to do is first look at the term toxic masculinity. Uh, This was a term that came about in the mid-1980s, and it was developed um, on a basic concept of Carl Jung, but it was done through a period of the mythopoetic, I'm sorry, mythopoetic uh, movement. And basically, the idea was to to create um, almost a mythology that would help men begin to understand what uh, masculinity had been lost through the industrialization, 
uh, period of history and forward into uh, where we are today and even back in the 80s. The, the, the movement lasted until about the mid-90s. And looking at it, uh, I think the intentions were good. I think the goal was to really understand what it, was, what it meant to be a healthy guy. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it should be healthy. I think every one of us, both men and women, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. The problem, though, is that they tried to build off of um, of Carl Jung's example. Uh, he had a term called uh, the pure eternus, which means the eternal boy. Now, he did have a term... Uh, for the eternal girl, but uh, off of the top of my head, I can honestly not remember it. Uh, if you would like, I can email it to you, and that's not a problem. But uh, the Puritanus um, basically was built off of uh, the idea of uh, an archetype or this prime uh, essence of, of people, okay? It is something that's just inherent within us, uh, something that we carry in our subconscious, and, and Jung was really well known for uh, diving into uh, the subconscious. And so what he talked about is, is more in this sense, that the, 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 the eternal boy, and, and again, this is in terms of, of masculine qualities, uh, but it's one that just kind of doesn't, it doesn't really get it. It doesn't really, uh, it, 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 it doesn't grow. And yet it's not all negative. Uh, he would also say that the the eternal boy is the part of us that can drive and drive us to do great things. It's the part of us that can be creative, imaginative, energetic, lively. And yet it has to be understood. It has to be developed within us. Now, how exactly do we begin to understand and to to parent that side of us? Because I think that's basically what we're talking about. By the time we are adults, um, we've been parented, and no parent on the planet is perfect. Uh, I am not a perfect parent, uh, not even close. And and so everybody through their life uh, is is going through a process of their own sense of reparenting. The first step to that, I think, is is a, a very honest conversation. It's one that uh, in our our mind, in our heart, we have to really have with ourselves. And that really is a reflecting point. What is it that I'm doing? What is it that I'm not doing? Why? Am I am I avoiding a lot of things? Am I dreaming about a lot of things, but I'm not actively following through on them? Uh, am I constantly trying for something that's not realistic? Because these are parts of us that go back to the, the pure eternus. And if we are functioning on the eternal boy as the driving force without any regulation or with, without any parenting factor, then it's an indicator. We are chasing things from our childhood perspectives. And coming to terms with that is a, a maturing process but it's also a very eye-opening process, and, it, and it's a humbling experience. Uh, Jung would go on to say that uh, you can't really understand the darkness in someone else until you've explored the darkness in your own heart. 
Uh, it's a paraphrase, okay? Uh, don't hold me to that exactly, but it, it's close enough. <laughs> so, guiding ourselves forward, that means we need a few things. Uh, one is this. We need, an, we need an environment around us that will help us. That starts with community. See, our childhood was built in a very tight-knit community. We call it family. As adults, we need the same. We, we need a functional uh, family setting. Now, maybe that's your spouse. Maybe that is a brother or a sister. But I would say that it would also be a community of people around you, not just family in particular as blood relations, but friends, people who know the real you. And this takes openness. It takes honesty. And that is something that is so difficult. And anybody that tells you honesty is easy, you just have to work hard and think and do it the right way, and you'll understand that honesty is a simple thing. If this is the mindset, then I would say that that is not really a very clear picture of honesty. When you look at any term around intimacy, um, it's not a it's not a good term, and I've said this in the past that vulnerability uh, has no positive connotation outside of the terms that we address intimacy with. And so, if I am vulnerable to attack, that means that there's a weakness that's being exposed. Being willing to share that weakness, to open up and discuss it. See, this is the first part of reparenting ourselves. It's it's taking the child in us and saying, it's okay. It's okay to be creative. It's okay to be excited. It's, it's okay to be uh, dreaming in big ways. But we also have to talk about the reality. We have to build confidence. We have to reaffirm your sense of, of validity as a person. We have to teach trust. We have to take risks and letting other people know those darker sides of us. The side of us that would say, you know what? I did that thing, that thing seemed really immature and it was, but I did it because I was scared. And I, and I was scared because, well, if anybody understood or anybody figured out how weak I feel inside, well, maybe, maybe they just wouldn't want to be around me. Maybe they wouldn't look at me as someone who really has a lot to offer. And that is the key and core trait of the eternal boy. It's the fear of being caught. Now, let me be clear. I'm not saying that the eternal boy doesn't exist anymore as we mature. What I'm saying is that the relationship with the eternal boy in us develops. So we always need the drive and we need that deep sense of motivation. We need that ability to be creative. Because that's the thing that pushes us towards our maturity. It's a nice cycle. It's the, the, the need, the, the, the vision to be able to see where I want to go, the drive that allows me to get there, which clarifies the vision of seeing what I need to become. And these are all wrapped around ideas of intimacy. Well, and why intimacy? It's a strange thing to put in there, isn't it? But it takes us back to risk. You see, in, in every movie pretty much ever made for men, the concept is 
guy loses something, loses him, his sense of self in the process, experiences a need that has to be met, overcomes the need, becomes the hero. And that's pretty much it. It can tell you one of two things. Either one, that in, inside of us we want to do better, we want to grow, we want to overcome the parts of us that hold us back. Or it can tell you that we're just terrified and that we have to look like the hero. We have to look like the guy who saves the day. And I can distinguish that pretty easily. See, the part of us that wants to overcome, well, see, that's a part of us that has clarity. It's the part of us that has vision. The part of us that just wants to look like the hero, well, that's like the, the five-year-old running around the house with a Batman cape and fighting crime. It's pretend. It's not real. And what I'm talking about is bringing that into reality. So in this sense, masculinity is not about being meek. It's not about being mild. It's not about receding from the world around us, being afraid that we're going to upset somebody. In some ways, it's the willingness to be able to take those steps, the bravery of stepping out and saying, well, no, this isn't right. But that's balanced once again. It's balanced by the maturity that has reparented us. Now, I separated out at the beginning masculinity from toxicity, uh, toxicity from femininity, because again, I don't think that they serve a very good purpose when they're divided. Uh, any of Jung's work would really tell you that they exist on both sides. Toxicity is toxicity. It is what it is. We all go through a process of maturing. We all have to, to, to face the reality. Sometimes we have to put our cape away and find a new one, a new one that works, a new way of overcoming. Intimacy is the scary piece. Being close. Uh, these are places that we can be hurt. And it doesn't make sense, does it? it? It would just be so much easier to isolate. But yet, thousands and thousands of years of human history teach us the, the value of community. And I think it teaches us the value of intimate community. This allows us to also understand the current world around us. And so, looking at the world around you, seeing your community being able to distinguish, does my community point me in the proper direction? Or does it feed into the toxic traits of my eternal boy under the surface without regulation? See, this is an important thing. That desire to grow is what Carl Jung uh, would describe by using a potato, which is not something that you would necessarily uh, connote with Carl Jung, but this was what he would compare it to. He would say that if you had a potato that had been sitting in a bin for a little too long, the potato would develop these buds on the side. And those buds were its way of continuing its purpose. It, it was continually growing, and it was growing based on 
little rays of light that had been seeping in when the bin was opened or closed. Because what was inside of it the whole time was the ability to grow, and it fought for that purpose. And so in that sense, we are wired to fight. We're wired to fight in many ways. But which one do you listen to? Which which person do you listen to or identity? Is it the boy? Is it the adult? Or is it both? The mature answer would be both. It would be saying the harder things, risking the deeper relationships, being able to honor the people around us because we see their value and that we already have an innate value. It's an innate value that drives us forward to want to do the right thing. It doesn't mean that we always do the right thing. Okay, we, we, we really crash and burn sometimes. I mean, I, I know I do. I'm just assuming the rest of you do too. Uh, but I think if we're honest with ourselves, I think it's pretty safe to say. And recognizing that, well, that, that brings a whole new definition to strength and aggression. It brings a whole new definition to the ability to overcome. And it's driven by one principle. It's the union, the intimacy that's developed between the, the part of us that reparents and the young boy who needs the reparenting. It's fostering a relationship. Teaching that relationship to any child is based on intimacy. So to answer your question, <laughs> after we've gone the long way around, Toxic masculinity isn't a thing. There's femininity, there's masculinity, and then there's just toxicity. Does toxicity have different forms? Absolutely. But is it based on a gender? Is it based on uh, this ambiguous term that we change over the decades called masculinity? I don't think it is. But I do think that being a person that desires to grow, uses that drive to grow, gains insight, and reinforces intimacy internally. It's allowed, uh, it, it allows us to create intimacy externally. And this isn't toxic. This is healthy. So Michael, I hope that answers your question. I I have so many more things to say on this topic. Uh, Hopefully at some point we can go back and revisit it uh, because there's a lot more to be said. And I I really did uh, sum a lot of things up and uh, I wanted to spend about five hours talking about this, but uh, I don't know that anybody would be listening in five hours. But thank you so much for your email. And uh, guys, again, I, I say this every episode, but it is so true. The emails, the messages you guys send are just brilliant. Keep sending them. Uh, If you haven't, uh, if you're new to this, uh, you can message me uh, on Instagram uh, at quietchaoskw, or you can email me, info at quietchaoskw.com. So reach out, send me your questions. 
you can be anonymous. You can use your first name. You can use your whole name. Uh, different people uh, do it different ways. But I always ask to make sure which is uh, which they would prefer. So send in your emails. I look forward to hearing from you. And this is Jason signing off. You've been listening to the Quiet Chaos Podcast. Our passion is to talk about anxiety, depression, and disorders, and answering tough questions, but having fun doing it. Coming at you with facts, interviews, hard-to-discuss topics, and a little bit more rebellious than your typical mental health show. We hope you've enjoyed it. Make sure to like, rate, and review, and we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on Instagram at QuietChaosKW. Remember, there is hope even when your brain tells you there isn't. See you next time on the Quiet Chaos Podcast.